Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Well, good evening. How are we doing? Fantastic. Uh, so my name is Josh Story. I'm the, the young adult teaching pastor here. Uh, it's good to see everybody tonight. If you're uh, just now jumping in with us, we are uh, in the second week of a series that we're calling How to Ruin a Perfectly Good Relationship. Uh, and again, if, if you're just now uh, jumping in with us, we're not actually teaching you how to ruin a relationship. The reality is that we're actually pretty good at ruining relationships on our own. Uh, the problem is that we just don't always know why we ruin them. We, we know that our relationship, sorry, I just burped. We, uh, <laughs> this is just one of those full transparency nights. Marcus is like, hey guys, let's start over. I'm burping on stage. We're off the rails already, but here we go. Um, <laughs> The basic idea is that we know that our, our relationships aren't exactly what we desire, that our relationships uh, aren't what we wish they could be, yet we, we don't quite know why. We, we just can't quite connect those dots. And so we're kind of reverse engineering this thing uh, to try and figure out how do we ruin a perfectly good relationship in hopes that we stop, in hopes that we don't actually ruin relationships. And so if you were here last week, we talked about how step one is just that we be bad at being friends. We're just bad at friendships, because who you are as a friend is who you are going to be as a spouse. And so tonight, we will be talking about the idea that, that your approach to being single will actually kind of shape uh, your future relationships. And so now, before we kind of get into that, I want to just say two things. One, uh, if you are married in the room, don't check out. Uh, because we have some specific application for you. But also, I think that one of the things that I, I hope that you might see is that if you are in a relationship, and, and there are either maybe some, some tensions or some frustrations in, in your marriage or your dating relationship or engagement or wherever you might be, if there's some sort of tension or frustration, maybe a light bulb goes off and you realize that some of the ways that you function as a single person is bleeding in and, and shaping the way that you are in a relationship. And so maybe throughout this process, the, the Lord opens your eyes to see, oh, wow, there's some, some, some things that I've been doing some habits that I created that, that kind of led to this kind of tension that we might be feeling here. So, so don't check out because I think there's some stuff in here for you as well. Um, but second, if you are a single person in the room, um, it's not lost on me that no one likes to hear a married guy talk about being single, right? Um, that's 100% true. Uh, but I would like to make a case really quick for why I might have a little bit of street cred when it comes to this area. Uh, because while I am married, I didn't get married until I was 30, almost 31, which means, yeah, come on, which means that I spent like a decade of my prime dating years riding solo, right? So what that means is that if you feel something about being single, I have also felt it, and I felt it recently. Right? So like I've felt most of the kind of annoyances that come along with being single, right? So for instance, uh, I've spent a lot of time as a third wheel and a fifth wheel and a seventh wheel. Essentially, I've spent a long time as like the odd numbered wheel, right? And part of being the odd num numbered wheel is that you just kind of get used to being the odd numbered wheel in the room, but occasionally you'll be in a room and another odd numbered wheel walks in the room and all of your friends and relationships start doing that weird thing where they're like, 
oh my gosh. I don't know why I haven't put this together, but like, y'all should date. Like, y'all should, oh my gosh, like y'all be so perfect together. And you're kind of like, all right, cool. Like, I'm cool with being perfect with another person. You're like, what, like, what makes this so perfect? And then they just kind of like stare at you. And they're like, uh, and you realize that the only two things that you actually have in common is that you're both uh, alive and alone, right? It's like, that's it. <laughs> it's like, oh, no way. Like, you have a heartbeat too. That's crazy. I thought that was like just me, but... That's fun. Uh, that's a fun, fun start. Uh, and so, like, like that's, that's annoying, right? Like, that's an annoying thing that, you, that at least I felt, and my guess is that you have felt that as well. Uh, another thing um, is when your, like, married friends look at you as if you have a disease that's on the brink of a cure, right? It's like, there's not a cure yet. But science is getting really close, right? Like, like it's, it's right there. In fact, um, I was at dinner one night uh, with a bunch of friends, and we weren't talking about relationships or anything like that at all. And in the middle of it, my best friend's wife, she turns to me. She has just the most like forlorn look, look on her face, um, puts her hand on my arm and says, it is going to happen. <laughs> I was like, what's going to happen? She's like, you are going to find someone amazing. And I remember thinking like, I'm single. Like I'm not waiting on a kidney transplant, right? Like, you know, like I'm not, I'm not waiting for someone to like fly in a heart to like bring me back to life. Like, I, like I'm just single, like calm down, right? And, uh, but like, that's, that's annoying, right? And, and, and there's all these different things that we feel when we are single that is just kind of frustrating. So I felt uh, kind of the fun freedom, but then I've also felt the, the anxiety and the stress and the frustration and this desire to, to, to have a spouse. And I felt rejection when, when you want someone and they just don't want you back. I felt like annoyed when you go home for Christmas and your grandma's like, but have you tried to get married? And you're like, yes, grandma, I've tried multiple times. Thank you. And, uh, and there's like all these things, like it's just a frustrating experience. And so odds are, if you feel it, I have felt it. And honestly, I felt it recently. And the last thing that I want to say that, that I have felt that, that maybe you feel is I have felt like setting the stage on fire when a married pastor has the audacity to say that singleness is a gift, right? Like that's infuriating, right? And as much as I hate to say what I'm about to say, the longer that I am on this earth and more specifically, the more that I read the word of God, what I find is that like it or not, believe it or not, singleness is absolutely a gift. Now, hear me say this, being alone is not a gift, but being alone and being single are two drastically different things, right? Being single and being alone are two very different things. Being single is a season where you simply don't have a spouse. And what the word of God says is that that season of life is most definitely a gift. The problem is that we don't see it as a gift. We see it as trash. Right? And so step two in ruining a perfectly good relationship is that we treat singleness like garbage rather than a gift. That we treat singleness like garbage rather than a gift. I think one of the reasons why our relationships uh, don't play out the way that we want them to play out is because we don't understand the, the beauty and the gift of being single. Right? Because what's actually happening is that you are in this place where where instead of seeing it as an opportunity to flourish and thrive and to grow and, and, and to take advantage of a really unique season, we look at it and say, if it is a gift, it's a trash gift and I'm just gonna toss it. And so we spend our single years just longing for someone to come save us from our singleness. 
And we miss out on a really incredible season of life. And so, so what we're going to do tonight is talk about step two and of, of how to uh, essentially start to view and treat singleness like a gift rather than garbage. But before we get there, um, I want to answer a question that I think is actually a very fundamental question, a very important question. And it's this, why would we have the audacity to ever claim that singleness is a gift? I, I think that's a very important question because I know a lot of your stories. And I know for a lot of you, you've had a rough go of it. Like, like you've done a lot of things well and a lot of things right. And you can still look at your circumstances and say, I, if, if where my life is played out, if what my life looks like, if that's a gift, that's a really awful gift. Like that's a bad gift, right? So, so why would you ever have the audacity to, to claim or say that singleness is a gift? I think that's a very important question to ask. And so we're gonna start off by asking that question. So to answer that, let's start by checking out what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter seven, starting in verse six. It says, now as a concession, not a command, I say this, that I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. All right, stop right there. So I want you to notice what Paul's saying. One, Paul isn't like hating on marriage. Oftentimes when you read 1 Corinthians 7, a lot of guys are like, man, Paul's very anti-marriage. Paul's not anti-marriage. So if you desire a spouse, that's, that's a good desire. And Paul's not uh, dogging on that, right? He says that we all have different gifts. We, we're all given different relational gifts. He says one of one kind of one of another. But Paul, who is single, thinks that singleness is such a gift such a unique gift that he has the audacity to say, man, if you can remain single, remain single. I desire, again, not as a command. So if you want to get married, like you're, you're good to go. But, but as a concession, meaning, man, what, what I would say in my humble apostolic opinion is that if you can remain single, do it. Again, that's a bold statement. That is a bold statement for Paul to, to look at people and say, man, I would suggest that you remain single if you can. I think it's that good of a gift. Again, you have to answer this question, why? Why would he ever say that? So I wanna keep reading, but first I wanna just go ahead and summarize what he's about to say because what Paul is about to say is this. He says, the reason why it is such a gift is because married people have problems that single people don't have to have. That married people have problems that sing, single people get to miss out on. Right? That's what Paul is about to say. He says, there are certain problems that married people have that if you are single by the grace of God, you don't have to deal with that problem. And that in and of itself is a gift. Let me show you what Paul goes on to say. In verse 26, he says, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Then do not seek to be free. But if, are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those, and catch this, yet those who marry will have worldly troubles and I would spare you that. Notice that he says, they're gonna have troubles that you don't have. And, and my hope is I can spare you from those troubles. He keeps on going in verse 32. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. Anxieties, notice that, that word. He says, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married 
woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. And I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure undivided devotion to the Lord. Let me explain what Paul's saying here. What Paul is saying is that there are certain anxieties that come along with being married, right? It says, and the beauty of it is that if you are not married, you're only anxiety, like you're worried. Now, again, you have anxieties just in life, right? It's like, but you are, are worried about how can I please the Lord? How can I serve the Lord and the Lord alone? Like, like, like that's your big worry, or at least it should be. It says, but for those who are married, they, they have something different going on. They, they are still worried about how to please and serve the Lord, but they also have these other anxiety. I mean, how do I please my spouse? How do I provide for a spouse? How do I kind of move us along as a family? How do I take care of a child? How do I do all these things? And so all of a sudden, like, it's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. All of a sudden, your interests become divided. And that once upon a time, like, you had the luxury of just focusing on how to please the Lord. Now your interests are divided. And what Paul is saying is, I want to make sure that you have this uh, unhindered, undistracted devotion to the Lord. Like that's what you get, like that's what the gift is, right? And it's true, like, like, like it's a real thing, right? And, and you see this take, take a step up, up in marriage, but, but you'll see this even in dating, right? That your mind just kind of, kind of just splits and, and divides between the Lord and, and, and just the pressures and anxieties of trying to please another person, right? So for instance, um, you understand this if you have a crush in this room, right? Because before you had a crush in this room, you would walk in here and when the band starts playing and you start singing, like you're just thinking about Jesus, that's it. Right, like man, worship's going, let's go. Like you're just thinking about Jesus, how good he is, how sweet the cross is, forgiveness, redemption, restoration, let's go. But the minute that you have a crush in here, right? You walk in here, the band starts playing, you start thinking about Jesus. And then all of a sudden this thought kind of creeps in the back of your mind and it's like, I wonder if they're in here. I wonder if they can see me. <laughs> I really want to raise my hand right now, but that might be too much, right? Like I'm really into the song, but that's too much, isn't it? Oh, but maybe it's not enough. Maybe they want like, like you know, praise hands. Like, I don't know. I just can't, I just can't figure out. Like, am I like, you know, a one-hand guy, two-hand guy, a co-rat guy? I don't really know. Like, you know, I mean, what am I doing? And then all of a sudden, before you know it, like, you're not thinking about Jesus anymore. You're so consumed with just these thoughts of like, man, like, is my worship posture, is it ruining my game? Right? Like, like that's like, and that's just kind of how it rolls, right? That like, the, all of a sudden, where, where once upon a time, your focus was on the Lord, how to know the Lord, please the Lord, all of a sudden now your interests are just divided. And again, it's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. It's just math. And then now you have these other pressures and anxieties that are just kind of dividing you, right? And so what Paul is saying is he's not saying that um, the, the gift of being single is all the kind of weird, frustrating things that come along with being single in our culture. He's saying the gift is that for a really unique period of time that you'll never get back, you get to function in a way where your only worry in the world is how to serve and love and please the Lord. Because you'll have the rest of your life to, to, to try to master that balance between serving the Lord and serving your spouse and serving your kids and everything else that goes on in your life. And he's like, but if you're in this season, like take advantage of that. Like that in and of itself is a gift. Now, I think the problem with this is that if we're being honest, like, you might say, all right, well, like, I can concede that maybe it's a gift or there's gift-like qualities to the season that I'm in, but let's be honest, it's a bad gift. 
It's not a good gift. It's not a valuable gift. It's not a gift that I want. Like, if that's a gift that my grandma gave, I'm like, oh my gosh, grandma, this is amazing. And then I'm like tossing it and never seeing it again, right? Like, this is like a bad gift, right? Um, if that's kind of where you are, one, I, I understand that. And I, I felt that myself many a time. Um, but let me encourage you with something. Your perspective doesn't change the value of the gift. Like your, your, pers- your perspective on, on whether it's a good gift or not doesn't change the value of the gift, right? Like, like you can look at a Picasso and think that a third grader made it and think, oh, that's worth $5. But that doesn't change the fact that it's worth millions upon millions of dollars, right? Like great perspective, but it, it doesn't change how much the gift is actually worth. Right? And so I think that oftentimes what happens is that we kind of waste our time because we just think it's not a good gift. It's not a worthy gift. It's not worth my time. And so we just kind of spend our single years just kind of enduring and waiting for someone to come save us from being single as opposed to recognizing, man, what a unique opportunity that I have to serve the Lord with undistracted, undivided devotion and take advantage of that in really phenomenal ways. So in the time that we have left, I wanna talk about three specific ways that we can begin to, to function in a way that we communicate, that we understand that this is actually a gift. And so some of these might not sound very spiritual, but I think they are godly things. And so let me start by saying this. The first thing that we can do to show uh, or to, to treat sing- singleness like a gift is that we develop skills that bless our future spouse. That we, that we take this time to develop skills that will bless our future spouse. Now, um, people just in, in general, like we are, we are notorious for spending a lot of time developing skills that are somewhat beneficial in one stage of life, but don't really transfer over well to the next stage, stage of life, right? So for instance, uh, when I was in college, I had a friend named Jason and, and Jason worked really, really hard on this one skill. And what the skill was is he could chug a pitcher of beer in under eight seconds. He was very accomplished. He was very proud of that skill. I always remember thinking, man, this is gonna set you apart on your resume. This is gonna be a really great skill. It's like, man, I was really intrigued by your three, three eight, but let's talk about the pitcher thing, right? Like that's not really a skill that transfers over well, right? But in the moment, like in that stage of life, like he was the man, like that was awesome, but it doesn't really transfer over. And I think that oftentimes we can develop skills as single people that, that we think serve some sort of benefit in this season, but it doesn't transfer over. It doesn't actually bless our spouse. Right? And so I think that one of the most um, incredible things that you can do for your future spouse to, to not ruin a future relationship is develop skills that will bless your future spouse. Now, let me talk to the fellas in the room for a second. Um, as a fellow guy, I know that sometimes you hear stuff like that and you're like, well, like what skills? Like, I don't really know what skills to develop. Um, I, I love you. So last night we sent out a poll on our Renovating College Instagrams uh, where we polled a bunch of ladies on like, what are like the skills that you desire in a few, future spouse. Um, ladies, we didn't ask guys because you guys are honestly just way ahead of us in general. So like, we're really catching up to you. Um, but uh, I had them rank a list of skills. And so I have the skills listed up here. Uh, they're not num- numbered, but one is up at the top and then the bottom one is on the right hand side. So this is the ranking of the women in this room. This is what they said they desire. Number one, the number one desired skills that you can communicate with clarity. Number two is that you can handle conflict well. 
Number three is that you're great at listening. Number four is that you're confident and assertive. Number five is that you can manage finance as well. Ladies, I'm gonna let you know that if you were married, I feel like that might be a little higher up, but uh, that's just super important. Uh, six, uh, that you can cook. Uh, next is that you know how to make your bed. Guys, that's big. Uh, number eight is that you can deadlift 450 pounds. Uh, I thought that would be a little lower, but that's also coming from a guy that can't. So uh, next is that you're really good at Fortnite. Uh, yep. It's like, hey, it's not last, bro. It's not last, man. Way to go. Uh, next is that you can shotgun a beer in less than four seconds. 11 is that you're good at creepily sliding into DMs. And 12, that you're great at leading people on. Now, let me show you what I think are, are two insightful things that I learned after reading this and watching all the responses come in, which was a blast. Um, far and away, the number one ranked answer was communicate with clarity. Like above and beyond, that was absolutely the number one desired skill. But what made that even more interesting is that 85% of the women polled put that in their top three and 93% put it in their top five. So if you're not great with math, 93% is almost everybody. So take note that the most desired skill that you can develop in your single years is to learn how to communicate with clarity. But on the flip side, the least desired skill, again, far and away, the number one like, like last place answer was that you are good at leading people on, AKA that you are good at being unclear, right? The least desired skill is that you lack clarity, that you are vague, that you are like not really very clear in kind of how you feel and what you want and kind of where this thing is going. Like that is like far and away the last place answer. And I want you to notice what the one in front of that is. So let that sink, sink in, that the ladies in this room, when given a choice, just said, I would prefer you to be creepy over unclear. <laughs> Let that sink in. That's huge. Like we literally gave them a choice and they all unanimously said, I would prefer you to be creepy over being unclear because at least if you're creepy, I know what your intentions are, right? Like that's just, that's just the thing. And so, so, so here's, what, here, here's what I'm really encouraged by. Here's what I'm really encouraged by about this little poll. The top three to four to five things that are listed there are, are things that guys, like we can actually learn. These aren't like inherent things that you either have or you don't. Like these are skills that you can legitimately learn during your single years. Like you can learn how to communicate with clarity. You can learn to handle conflict well. You can learn to listen well. You can learn to be assertive. You can learn to manage finance as well. And all those things, like, like those are things that you can learn. Like, like, and you just guys got like a list of stuff that the ladies in this room actually desire, right? Like, yeah, like deadlifting 450 pounds is awesome, but it has nothing on communicating with clarity, right? And so one of the things that I, I'm excited about is I think that we actually have proof of like stuff that I think can actually help, right? And so, so what my, my hope and my goal is, is that we are people who recognize that all right, we have this really unique opportunity in seasons of being single, where we can develop skills that will legitimately bless our spouses and future. So my hope and my prayer is that we take this seriously and we actually begin to develop skills that will bless our future spouse. Second is this, is that we develop character that will bless our future spouse. 
that we develop skills, but we also develop character. Um, when you are in a relationship, um, relationships naturally help you develop character, right? Because there are certain things about your character that, that you don't even know until you're in a relationship. There's just situations that come along that reveal, man, I'm selfish or I'm arrogant or I'm prideful or, or there's all these things that, that kind of, that you just kind of naturally develop when you're in a relationship. But here's the thing. Although relationships naturally develop your character, we should not wait for a relationship to develop our character if we don't have to, right? We should not wait for a relationship to force us to develop our character. We should have this kind of self-awareness of trying to figure out, man, where am I weak? Like, where, where do I have uh, deficiencies in my character that I can kind of begin to kind of chisel now, right? In order to bless my spouse in the future. So um, example, like anger. Right? Like, like if you like know that you are prone to anger, that you are just impatient, that you are prone to fly off the handle, um, you can work on your anger in the context of a relationship. But the reality is that if you are working on your anger in the context of a relationship, the person that you're in relationship with has probably been collateral damage in some of your outbursts. They've probably caught some of the shrapnel from your kind of just flying off the handle moments, right? And so if you know that you're already prone to those things, like why not go ahead and address that now? Do the hard work now before someone's in that relationship. Because here's the reality, people prefer to be in a relationship with somebody who used to have an anger problem rather than someone who's currently working through an anger problem. They might love you enough to, to be in that relationship, but I guarantee you they would prefer for you to be the, the, the person who used to have that problem. It flares up here and there, but it's an, it's an old problem, right? So, so my challenge is that we take some time to just kind of take an inventory. You know, where are there just character deficits, right? Man, are we prone to pride or um, jealousy, anger? Do we have certain insecurities? Are we finding our worth and our value in, in, in certain things? Are, are there certain things that are going to uh, absolutely rob us in the future? Because my, my hope is that we can take that step now to actually develop character that will bless our future spouse. And third is this, is that we invest all you have into the kingdom of God. That you invest all you have into the kingdom of God. I think there is great benefit in developing yourselves during this time. But I think ultimately the best case scenario is that you are developing yourselves as you are developing the kingdom of God. Because remember, Paul said that, that what the gift of being single is ultimately is that you are in a position where you have undivided, like undistracted devotion to the Lord. That all you have to worry about is serving and pleasing and loving the Lord, right? And so what he's saying is, man, use this as an opportunity to just pour out, just invest all that you possibly can in the kingdom of God, right? And so maybe that looks like just looking up and saying, man, who's around me? Like, like, what kind of disciples can I make in my like, circle of influence? Maybe it's taking classes like our faith and work class where you can learn how to make disciples in the workplace. Uh, maybe it's uh, serving with any of the ministries at our church that, that try to reach the next gen generation with who Christ is or an organization in town that's doing phenomenal work to push back darkness in the world and say, all right, what can I do to actually invest the time that I have into the kingdom of God? Or, or maybe... Maybe God has placed something on your heart that's risky, that is dangerous, that is big, that is scary. 
And God's calling you to do something for him that is honestly a pretty risky thing. And, and, and maybe right now in your season of life, because you don't have to worry about a spouse or kids or a family, that God has uniquely allowed you to be in a place where you can serve him in some incredible ways that you can't if you're married. Right? Like, like some of the, the most effective movements of the Lord that the world has ever seen are single men and uh, women who decide that, you know, I'm gonna take where I am right now and I'm gonna go to the, the furthest parts of the world and, and do crazy, risky, dangerous things because I can't because God's calling me to it and, and, and I can't. And I'm gonna invest all that I have into the kingdom of God. I, th- I think we are in a position or you are in a position where you can do stuff that, that married people just can't do. It's incredible. A few years back, I, uh, I, I ran into a pastor friend and uh, we started talking about stuff. And he was like, hey man, are you, uh, are you dating anybody? I'm like, nope, still single. And uh, he goes, cool, man. He says, you know what? Paul, bro. I go, what? He says, Paul, bro. It's like you and Paul, man, just single bros, just making waves for the kingdom of God. And I remember thinking, how dare you speak that over me? Like, like, no, I will, I will not be like Paul, uh, that loser. No, 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 I'm kidding. Uh, But I was like, I was like, no, like, like, I I was like legitimately offended. I was like, dude, like, don't ever compare me to Paul. And I remember thinking afterwards that, that what he was trying to do is he was trying to encourage me with, hey, dude, look at the life of Paul. This is a guy. Who, who understood the unique position that he was in. And he decided, hey, I'm gonna remain as I am. I'm gonna remain single because I have the ability to invest in the kingdom of God in ways that other people can't. And so Paul risked his life and traveled all over the world, planted churches all over the world for the sake of the gospel. And our lives 2000 years later are still being impacted by Paul's devotion to the Lord. And I remember, I remember thinking, I was like, wow, like what a phenomenal opportunity that I have. And, and, and to be completely honest, it kind of changed the way that I viewed that season of life. I was like, like, you're right. As much as I hate the phrase that you just said, like I have this unique opportunity to make disciples in ways that, that maybe I can't in the future. Right? And so my hope and my prayer is that we have the, the eyes to see that what a unique place you might be in, that you can invest all that you have for the kingdom of God. Now, let me close with this. Um, If you're married in the room, let me give you kind of three things uh, that you can kind of take with this to love single people. Well, the first thing that I want to encourage you to do is this, is to celebrate your single friends who make their singleness count. Celebrate single friends when when you see that they're actually utilizing their single years well. Um, I... I hope uh, that I spent my single years effectively. Um, I think I did, I tried, um, and, and, and I felt like I was really trying to, to do as much as I could for the kingdom of God during that time as I possibly could. And I remember out of the decade that was the stage that I was in, I remember I had one person in over a decade that pulled me aside and said, dude, you're killing it. Dude, you, you're utilizing the season that you're in so well. To be completely honest, I'm jealous. There's stuff that you can say yes to that I wish I could say yes to. There's stuff that you are doing that I can't do because I'm so stressed out about having to pay for a mortgage. Dude, like, like, like you're killing the singleness game. 
And I remember that being one of the most profound things that anyone had ever said to me because so often I had felt inferior. I felt less than, I felt like some sort of JV minister of the gospel because I didn't have a spouse. And I remember how, how uplifting it was and how encouraging it was for someone just to notice, say, hey, what, like way to take the word of God seriously, like way to actually take advantage of the season that you're in because most likely it's not gonna be that way forever. So, so if you are married in the room and you see someone who is single and they're, and they're doing it well and they're actually uh, using their time to, to make the most of it, man, celebrate that, praise them for that because that's, that's huge and it's rare. Second is this, invite single people into your life. Invite single people to be a part of your life. Um, I feel like I understand this better now um, because I'm married, but when you get married, there's, there's this really cool thing where like you're in this new stage of life and it's fun and it's exciting, but what happens is you tend to just couple up, right? That, that you have like this new kind of relationship and you just wanna have a couple friends and everything that you used to do, like you still do, but it's just couples. That's couple date nights and couple game nights and couples dinners and couples things. And everything is about just getting as many couple friends as you possibly can. And I know now that it's not intentional. It's not intentionally exclusive. It's just fun and exciting. And you're finding people that can actually relate to you and kind of where you are in this new stage of life. But what happens is that the way that you function is that it inadvertently communicates to those around you that, man, you don't really get it. You don't really understand like the struggles that I have. And the reality is, man, there's stuff that you can learn from single people and there's stuff that single people can learn from you. So the reality is that man, if we can live in a way where we invite single people as married people, invite single people into our life, I think that's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. It's not that, man, I'm kind of doing my thing with all my single friends until I find my spouse. And then, man, thank God I'm off and I get to do couples things now. No, no, it's, it's inviting people and having this kind of beautifully diverse community of those who are married, those who are not married. And, and, and man, how can we live and love each other well? So, I mean, invite, invite single people into your life. And lastly, I want to say this. I want to say, be careful playing matchmaker. Be careful playing matchmaker. And there's really two specific things that I want to say about this. Um, the first reason why I think that you should be careful um, is because you have the ability to offend your friend for revealing how little you actually know about them. That you, you can like inadvertently offend your friend by, by showing them how little you actually know about who they are. There's a, um, a spoken word artist named Joseph Solomon, and he has this really funny illustration where he says that uh, married people trying uh, to matchmake for single people is kind of like Spotify trying to create like a custom playlist for you, where sometimes they're right on. And sometimes it's like, you don't know me, Spotify. Like, like, like I listened to one Hillsong song and now you think I'm into like Christian Scott? Like, no, like that's not the same thing at all, right? And so all of a sudden he's like, what happens is that, you know, who you think really know you well. It's like, dude, I have this person, they're perfect. And then you date them and you're like, oh, well, like, yeah, they're really nice and really cool, but like, you don't know me at all, man. And so I think that one of the things is that in our excitement to, oh, you should experience what we're experiencing. It's so fun that sometimes we kind of reveal that we don't actually know people the way that we think we do. And to be completely honest, like that's really a bummer. Like when you're on the receiving end, that really sucks. So uh, try to not do that. Um, but sec second, you can inadvertently communicate that your friend's worth and value is found in their relationship status. You can accidentally communicate 
that a person's worth is found in their relationship status. And what I mean is that as people, we only have so much time and so much energy, right? And so what we know about each other is that we focus our time and our energy and honestly our conversation on the things that we value. And so every time that you get together with one of your single friends, all you talk about is, hey, like, are you dating? Or, hey, have you found this person? Or, hey, I have this friend. And all of a sudden, you, like, your whole conversation is about trying to hook them up. Then whether you realize it or not, after a while, it just kind of begins to communicate that, man, you really care about me getting a relationship. And, and sometimes that can communicate that, man, is my worth found in that? Am I only valuable if I'm in a relationship, is there a point in time where this is going to run out and you don't really want to hang out with me anymore? And, and I, I know that no one would ever intentionally want to do that. I think that one of the things that we just need to be careful about is, man, like, like try to set pe- people up, do it, but be thoughtful about it. Be thought, th- thoughtful about who they are and what they want and what, what they need and how they're wired, but then also understanding that, you, that we consistently communicate and I think relationships are great. I think they're a godly thing, but your worth and your value doesn't revolve around the status of your relationship. And so just be careful when you play matchmaker. All right, last thing I'll say is this, like actual last thing. Um, We've talked about a lot of stuff. It's not lost on me that you might be in a place where you are single, and you feel lonely, that you feel frustrated, um, that you've experienced heartbreak, and your longing in all of this might still be, man, I'm so tired of feeling that way, and I just want a spouse. I just want someone that can make sure that I stop feeling that way. I think that's a legit feeling, I really do. But I know a lot of married people that still feel lonely, that still feel frustrated, that still experience heartbreak. So your feelings are not unique to being single. It's a human emotion, it's human feelings. And the reason why there are married people that still feel the way that you feel, that feel alone, that feel frustrated, that feel heartbreak is because our hope cannot be in a person. Our hope cannot be in a relationship or a relationship status. Our hope has to be in Christ and Christ alone because the reality is that you and I do not have the capacity to satisfy each other. There's not a relationship in the world that can satisfy you the way that Christ satisfies. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon says that God has placed placed eternity in the hearts of men meaning that our hearts long for the, eter- the, the eternal and we are dissatisfied with anything but that which is eternal. And the reality is there is not a love on this planet that will provide for your soul the eternality that you long for. The only love that can provide that is the love of Christ. And the beauty of what Christ has done for us on the cross is we have a God who says, I love you in your brokenness, and your sin and your shame and all those things, I love you and I sent my son so that you know that. And that love isn't going to change. It's not going anywhere. It's not gonna fade. It doesn't dwindle when we get in a fight. It doesn't dwindle when someone else more attractive comes along. No, my love for you is not going anywhere. 
So my hope in all of this is that yes, that we utilize this time well, but that we understand ultimately that our hope is not in a person or a relationship, but that our hope is in Christ, in Christ alone. Let me pray. Father, you are good and you are kind. Father, uh, it's not lost on me that there are brothers and sisters in the room who are tired and exhausted. Um, some get hyped about being single, um, but for a lot of us, God, it's, it's exhausting. We're tired. We don't like it. Father, my hope is that tonight through what your word says, that we understand that you have graciously given us that we are in that position. That you have given us a unique opportunity to know you, to serve you, to chase after you in ways that we can never do again. And so Father, for the sake of our future relationships, will you move us to be a people that don't treat singleness like trash, but we actually see it as a gift to be nourished and appreciated. And may it ultimately move us to a place where we get to see you more, know you more, and love you more. So your Sunday, we pray. Amen. What a great message from Josh, talking about singleness as an opportunity and not the garbage we often treat it as. It's difficult to keep that mindset in focus when we see the people around us dating and getting married. But if we could fight to see singleness like we are called to, what a blessing it would be to walk with the Lord during that time. So may we not waste it. Would we use our time wisely and in the way Jesus wants us to so that we can grow in our dependency on Him? If you want to take those steps or need help figuring out what they are, reach out to us at renovateftw.org or on social media at renovateftw. And we would love to take you to coffee or a meal and talk you through everything that that would entail. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you have a blessed week.